I'm glad to see that you found your way to the club. Do you know who I am? Uh, sure, uh, I think so. I'm, I guess you're the guy they told me about. Good. Then you know why I'm here. Uh, don't you own the place? I'm here because of convenience. We could have had this conversation anywhere. The McDonald's that you frequent on Lexington, the corner gas station where you buy Marlboro Lights, your ailing grandmother's front porch. We could have sat together in those faded lawn chairs and had mint juleps. That's a drink that she favored, right? Back before the dementia. What? What do you want? I want to talk about promises. You made a promise not too long ago. I would just like to know if you intend to keep it. No, I didn't. I, I haven't made any promises. I completely understand your confusion. It happens to us all, to me too. Sometimes, when faced with a decision, and that decision, it can be anything, really. I decide. I make a choice. And in choosing, I make a promise to myself. I simply don't always voice that promise to anyone else. Maybe no one was there at the time. Maybe the telling just isn't that important. Not nearly important as what I have to do. I, I guess I don't know what you're talking about. Enjoying your drink? Uh, sure. This is McAllen. Uh, double cask. Aged roughly 30 years. Jesus, that's like as old as I am. It's a gift, you see. A friend delivered the case just this morning, just for this very occasion. How does that make you feel? Um, I don't know. Drink it slowly and tell me, now that you know what it is. How rare and special it is. How you can suddenly smell the sweet fruity scents taste the caramel notes, how you enjoyed the crispness, the tart, dry finish. But this is your first time tasting good whiskey, and let's be frank, you have nothing to compare it to. Uh, sure, I, it's pretty good, I guess. Um, I mean, I get what you're talking about, even if I haven't really had much experience with whiskey, I understand. Savor that glass. It will be the finest liquor you will ever experience in your entire life. Look, I, I appreciate the fancy drink and the invite to this fancy club, but I don't really get why any of this is happening. Honestly, I'm starting to think that maybe you've got the wrong guy here. I would not waste 30-year-old scotch on the wrong person. But there's, there's nothing I can do to help a guy like you. I mean, nothing I have, nothing I've seen... Nothing I know. You know, I, I, I'm a nobody. Wallace, to me, you are the everyman that I am absolutely thrilled to share a drink with. It's such a change, quite frankly. You may not know it yet, but you have already played a very important role in changing the course of history. You matter more than you can possibly know. I don't follow. Allow me to explain.
February 7th, 1994. David, as you finish your shift and you're headed to your, your car, going back home after working for the company, you see that on your, your windshield, a, a small letter or paper was, was just simply placed there. Hmm. It, is, it is winter, it is February, and it's, it's possible that it, it could have been swept away by the wind or, or otherwise grabbed by someone else but it's it's there waiting for you okay does it look like it's tucked under my wiper yes interesting yeah i'll uh, walk over to it and take a look at it first it's fairly nondescript it, it is essentially a, a letter okay yeah i'll pick it up simply a paper in, inside it looks like oh so it's like in an envelope yep oh interesting yeah he'll, he'll pick it up and hop in his car okay and then open it up and take a look at what's what's in the envelope. You see typewritten, very clear instructions. It's it's a, a small page addressed to you, to your name, to David Corbin. It gives very precise instructions on uh, reaching a, a small airspace, a small hangar in Green Mountain National Forest in, in Vermont. Tells you exactly where you, which exit you need to take, how to go there. At which point you need to hop off your car and, and walk. Very concise, very clear, very short. And at the very end, it, it says, once you have memorized, you've, you've put these instructions to memory uh, uh, to get rid, to destroy this paper. Did you say Green Mountain National Forest? Yes. In Vermont? Where where in Vermont? Uh, it, is, uh, it is in a huge, essentially, national park. Oh, okay. All right. I can find it. I'll, I'll look at the letter for a second and think about like where this might have come from. Go th- through the Rolodex in my head of, of um, people I know mm-hmm. and tuck it into my, my pocket the inside of my suit jacket uh, and head home and then get ready to go. All right. Uh, moving on to you, uh, Jan, Jan Decker. As you, you're playing outside with your dog, you're, you're playing fetch throwing the ball and then the, the dog comes back you uh, play a while has it been a long time since you've been on the job I think he's been stateside maybe two three weeks and this is this is downtime for him okay and so he's just out in the cold he's bundled up in kind of a thick jacket um, and he's probably been throwing his this this ball for at least a half hour because mm-hmm. the, the, the try to exercise his dog a little bit just throwing it way out into the woods in the back 40. And just like so, he had a, he can't even see the ball, and then and then his dog is racing out there and bringing it back, and he throws as hard as he can, as far as he can, 
and he just his breath is kind of you know frosting out, like you know steam coming out of his mouth. When I'm finally done, or I, I'm tired, right? Mm-hmm. The dog's not tired. I'll, I'll pat the guy, rub his face a bit, you know, uh, tell him he's a uh, good girl, good girl, and and head on back, hike on back to the like he got a small house out in the woods in North Carolina that he's that he stays in when he's in stateside. Mm-hmm. Going back to your house, you see at your uh, your post box that a little flag is up, uh, even though you checked it before going outside with your dog. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's, I'd be the one to put that up, not, you know, so that's a little. Yep. Right. So um, he'll, he'll very casually, like this is not a big deal, just, just stroll on over there, uh, situational awareness, just check for vehicles down the road, and there's no, make sure there's nobody around, put that flag down, open the mailbox, take a look inside. You see a, a blank envelope. Okay, not even addressed. Okay. Um, no. Yeah, uh, pull it out. I'm not going to do this on the road. I'll tuck it into my jacket, close the mailbox, walk back into the house. All right. And then once I'm inside, and clap the door closed, you know, take my boots off you know, in the mud room, and uh, then just sit down on the bench in the mud room and open the letter up. Inside, you see uh, the same thing as, as David. Uh, you see very concise, very de- uh, uh, precise, rather, uh, details on how to reach Green Mountain National Forest um, and how you're expected there. As uh, soon as possible, and to uh, commit to memory these details, and then uh, once you have memorized them, to get rid of this this letter. What's my what's my uh, essentially my time? What time do I have to be there? It gives you probably much. I'd say in the next forty eight hours. Okay, it's like forty eight hours is more than enough. All right, yeah. good. All right. Okay. Um. Yeah. So what he'll do is he'll 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 pocket that for now. He's gonna memorize it. Goes it later, mm-hmm. and then make some time this evening to pull a map out, figure out where this location is, take a look at the location, and begin to look at the area around. Start studying the, figure out the route he's going to take, and work on memorizing and internalizing that route, and kind of going over in his head. And once that's all done, and he cooks some dinner, himself some dinner, gets his dog some food, um, he'll start packing his go bag. I don't know what the situation is, uh, so he's going to pack heavy. Mm-hmm. You never know. And you see that memorizing exactly how to get there. You don't even know where this leads, but there's no... Uh, it does say a small small hangar. That's that's when you'll know you're there. Right. Uh, it doesn't show on any maps. It's not indicated. You really need to know how to get there. He'll, he'll spend sufficient time until he's sure that he's got the route down. And then once he's got it down, um, he'll, he'll burn that letter. And then uh, trust in his memory. He's been through this before. Yes. So this is the first time. I, I imagine so. So you, the both of you are, are getting ready. Uh, are there any? Is there any special gear or, or anything that I should know about that you bring? So I would also take some time to, to do that memorizing uh, and then burn the letter too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also David's going to be looking for around the area like what what kinds of things are around the area it's i assume completely rural out, out in the middle of the forest yes but beyond that in in the general vicinity in vermont mm-hmm. um and and thinking about or maybe even looking up like what kind of contacts he has in those areas in case he needs to reach somebody okay and then yeah just you know pack uh pack some clothes pack some uh, his various tools of the trade uh probably a small gun 
like a 40, well, actually. 45? I guess a medium-sized gun, a 45, yeah. Okay. Thinking of possible contacts to, to use in that in that area, you do have a special skill, right? I do. Um, I've got connections. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you, uh, you know a park ranger, you know a guy. In the general, in Vermont, maybe not ex- like right next, he's not in, in National Forest necessarily, but that's that's someone that maybe owes you a favor that's in the general area, we could say. Cool. Yeah, I'll just take note of that and maybe even memorize his number or something like that. Okay. And to get there, uh, perhaps some of you drive, rent a car, use your own car, go go by plane. The way you get there is up to you. Where is uh, Langley? Virginia, right? Virginia. It's Virginia. Is it? Yeah, I think I think it is just Virginia. Okay. So I probably... It's a decent distance. I probably would drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as as for Jan, he's he's driving. Ah, goodness, I I think he's gonna have to. Yeah, I don't want to get involved. Anyone involved? He'll take his own personal truck. He's got a truck, so he'll take his own personal truck and bring his own gear. Okay. And he everything everything he has, which is on this character sheet, so I don't want to have to repeat it all. We've already documented it. Mm-hmm. It's basically you know um, uh, not traceable. It, it's been it's been removed from the registration. He's got it from his sources. Yeah, you know, and these are this is black gear that he's he keeps. In addition to the gear that's on his character sheet, he'll bring some cold weather gear mm-hmm. as well and prepare himself for what he assumes is an outdoor operation. He has, he has no idea, so he's got the boots and 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 the um for the winter camo. Okay, you know, and other cold weather gear, and maybe also bring a, a like a some some extra rations, MREs, um, and other supplies in case he has to stay out overnight or for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And so he'll he'll just prepare himself as if this is a an outdoor operation in in February in Vermont. Yep. Until he knows otherwise, and also bring everything he's got in his character sheet. So he'll 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 contact Sheila and ask her just to keep an eye on Ginger when she checks back in. Uh, she's probably working at the diner right now. So when she comes back from work, ask her to keep an eye on the dog. He's he's got he's got work. That's all he said. I got work to do. It leaves it at that. So you, you make your way there. I won't make you roll to see if you memorize how to get there. This isn't your first rodeo. You, you've probably memorized similar messages before. And uh, you, you make your way there. It, it is not easy to access. It probably takes you from, first of all, reaching the National Forest. You need to basically uh, drive in, in dirt roads. And then at one point, you need to just park your car and go by foot in um some paths are kind of trodden but eventually quickly becomes uh, uncharted trails but it, it doesn't stay uncharted and uncomfortable too long until eventually it kind of opens into a small clearing where you you see a what seems to be like a landing strip uh, in a, a rusty snow-covered uh, hangar on the side of this landing strip you do see on the landing strip is a plane uh, seems to be a a small Cessna, and and, and there is someone inside of the, of the, of the plane as well. Uh, you see kind of like a shadow moving inside, but otherwise uh, that's it. It is extremely still. And the snow kind of absorbs all sound. Probably arrive towards the middle of the afternoon. You know, granted that that you make your way there as soon as possible. We'll say so. You'd probably be there on February eighth. Got it. Okay. Now, are we arriving at the same time or, or separately? No, uh, I'd like for the both of you to make me a luck roll. All right. 
So that's a 98. I fail. Okay. That's a 39. David, you arrive first. Okay. I don't I don't think David is much of an out, outstorman, but you, you, you stick to your path, you remember the instructions, you make your way there. Again, what you see is this landing strip, this plane, and, and this uh, hangar. Sure, I would, um, I guess, walk on up to it and uh, approach this person that I see. Yep. You know, give a wave from a distance, and can they hear me? Are they inside the Cessna, or are they outside? They're inside. Okay, yeah, I'll walk up to the to the plane. You see a, a man, uh, seems rather, rather tall, uh, broad-shouldered, wearing uh, a winter gear, uh, has a little toque, has uh, gloves, just kind of looks at you with a blank, blank face, uh, a very neutral expression, and just kind of shows a finger towards the hangar. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'd, I'd walk over to the hangar then. Okay. You see the, the doors is half open. You sense a bit of warmth coming from inside, and you see light as well. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll head in there and see what's going on. Just keeping my eyes open, making sure uh, I'm aware of anybody who's around, that kind of thing. Yep. You go inside, you see it's, it, it smells of dust and uh, of, of humidity. There's a bunch of crates all around. There doesn't seem to be chairs or tables or anything of the like. Uh, and you see at the end of the room... You have you have a pretty good alertness, correct? Uh, it's sixty. Sixty. That's enough. Uh, in the back of the hangar, kind of like in half in shadow, and you see the hangar is lift is lit by by a single light bulb. It's quite dark in there. Someone seems to be sitting down on the crate, and next to them uh, is uh, some kind of assault rifle, hmm. uh, a bottle okay. of of some kind, and and glasses. And uh, yeah, someone has their arms crossed, sitting in the dark, waiting. Yeah, so um, I'll walk up and, uh, you know, give, uh, again, kind of just give a casual wave and say, uh, am I late for the party? Right on time. All right. Come and sit down. Do I recognize the voice? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll go over there and sit down. Okay. As you, you sit down, you see the, the features of, of the man you know of, of Reginald Fairfield and much better. Hmm. You see that he is a, a, a broad athletic man although quite old yeah he's 80 even sitting down he's quite he's he's quite tall yeah okay. uh you see as he has a bit of a, a, a well he has pretty much a, a beard receding hairline all white mm-hmm. you see that he's only wearing a tank top uh and and cargo pants <laughs> of course and uh, has multiple scars and is just kind of half sitting down on this crate you see him kind of look at, at the assault rifle next to him, which is an M16, and looks like it's seen a lot of use. He grabs a glass and, and hands it to you. Yeah, I'll take it. Sure. Scotch is okay? Yeah, absolutely. What's uh, what's the occasion? I'm, I'm not gonna spoil the party just yet. We'll, we'll wait for someone else. Okay. Fair enough. See, he grabs a bottle of scotch, which seems like it's it's... Already a couple of glasses have, have been used out of that out of that bottle. Pours you a, a good drink, uh, and and then sets back down the bottle. You never struck me as a Scotch guy. I always pegged you for more of like a bourbon. I'm not picky. All right, fair enough. So how have you been? Well, you know, pretty good, I guess. Uh, all things considered, that's uh, life comes at you fast, and you roll with the punches. Mm, that it does. How about you? He shrugs. 
Same old, same old. Hmm. I'll, I'll look at him kind of just sort of appraising him, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like getting getting a feel for when was the last time I saw him? Was it recently or was it years ago? Probably it's been like a year or a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah, just just kind of checking out. Does he seem healthy? Does he seem all there? Could, that kind of stuff. Could you uh, tell to our dear listeners how high your human is? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's unfortunately it's only 100. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not even gonna make you roll. He's not Fairfield is not hiding it either. Yep. Uh, he seems tired, and the way he quickly glanced at his M16, even though he knows you, uh, he's nervous. Mm-hmm. He seems okay. nervous, stressed, tired. So I'll take a, a very casual um, posture, and you know, I'll kind of lean back and maybe throw one leg up on my knee and sip the sip the scotch and try to make a little bit of small talk while we wait. You're mainly the one doing the small talk. Sure. Uh, he replies very concisely. He's, he's a man of few words, quite frankly, but uh, it's even less so right now. Eventually, yawn, probably... 15, 20 minutes later, you arrive and you see the same thing. Again, a plane, uh, a man which is now outside the Cessna smoking a cigarette, dressed like a pilot. Yeah. I'm going to give the pilot, I'll keep an eye on the pilot, but I'm giving, giving him a wide berth. I know the pilot's not my contact. No. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to make any contact. I don't want to talk to this guy either. Right? He's just a pilot. Yep. I got no business with this guy. I got, I, the hangar is my destination. I got the rucksack over my shoulder. I've been hiking through the snow for the last, you know, hour and a half. Wearing my my winter gear, I'm on business trip. And and you see you, you hear a little bit of talking from inside the hangar, and you you see you recognize Fairfield, who's now not as much in in the shadows as when it was David. He kind of walked around and 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 made himself a bit more comfortable. And and you see he's flanked by a by another man, and they're both currently uh, would seem to be enjoying a glass of, of some hard liquor. Uh, that's not good. Uh, hey, what? Describe this other man to me, Taylor. Sure. So um, he's, I think, like five six. You know, a little shorter than average. Fairly medium build. He's, I would say, maybe on on the stockier side, but he's not pudgy or or, or chubby. Balding. Um, top of his head is completely bald, and then he's just got little little hair around the around the back and the sides. Um, salt and pepper. He's got a very warm smile, and generally looks very personable. All right. So, um, so Jan Dakar is basically wearing the, the thick winter gear, um, you know, for for, you know, for hiking or for doing operations out in, in, in the winter climate. It's got a gray-black pattern to it, you know, kind of off offset pattern. He's carrying a rucksack, and he's in his mid-40s. So, but he's got a full thick head of hair. It's, it's mostly brown, but it's going gray on the sides. Mm-hmm. He's also got a, a short beard, basically, and a lot of stubble as well. And he's just, he's, he's maybe five, he's probably 5'10 as well, about the same size as you. He, not a huge guy, you know, and not a short guy, kind of average size. Looks fit and in decent shape, for especially for his age. Very, very neutral look on his face. Very expressionless look on his face. As he kind of measures you and then mostly gives attention to the general. Hikes on over, puts his sack down. Is there a, is there a seat for me? A crate. It, it'll do in a pinch. Hmm. Um, Major General, what do we what do we, what do we owe in the privilege? You want a glass? Yeah, I'll take a glass. Hmm. Poise you one hands it to you. All right. Um, what what are we drinking to? 
I'm not even sure myself. I would I'd say health, but but let's go with success. Eh, yeah, that works for me. All right, success it is. Mm. Sure thing. I'll take a a nice nice drink. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's it's fine with me. It's 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 uh you see on the bottle it's scotch. Uh, it is it is of course quite strong. It's also very good. Like a good scotch. It's like a like a 16 year Lagavulin. Yeah, sure. Like really really nice, very peaty. Ooh. We'll go with that. All right. Um Yes, uh, savor, savor that. I, I feel a little bad drinking it so fast, actually, after I enjoyed it for a second. But no, but I'll, I'll set my glass down and mm-hmm. and wait and see if I get another one. He he right away pours another one. And you see as he does, the M16 next to him has notches on it. And seems like it's seen some use. It's it's It, it was probably used in Vietnam, quite frankly. It, you see it's loaded. Uh, uh, safe is off. Taking no precautions. Um, so Major General... It, Anybody else joining this party? Well, not this one, but well, I'll I'll, I'll get right to it. I'm, I've got an, an op for both of you, and this one's been a long time coming. I'm, I'm giving it to you both because you're some of the smartest, toughest sons of bitches I know. You're you're more than just soldiers or marines. You're some of the best agents uh, I've I've ever known. All right. The past few years, I've been digging into some kind of governmental group. Uh, that's how I can summarize it, I guess. Uh, a group I'm talking blacker than the damn CIA. They've been researching, bartering, exchanging, and, and selling dangerous, unnatural secrets like it's candy. And then that group, they've got connections and they've got funds. They're, they're very well organized, well prepared. I'd be ready to accept all of that. They're not the first ones to do it. But worse than all of this is that they, they passed a deal some kind of accord with fucking monsters. They exchange the lives of God-fearing U.S. citizens, and in exchange, they get knowledge, technology, and all sorts of other dangerous shit. That's where you come in. Um, that group, some of those secrets, they, they got it in something they call the cookbook. Some greedy fuck-up on high uh, used back channels and contacts to steal that cookbook and she's planning on selling it to the highest bidder along with other toys they've got. I want you to go there and get that cookbook. You can destroy it. You can return it. I just want you to take it. It's one of their most important assets. Once you do, I suspect that this will have them tear each other apart like dogs. With some luck, it'll bring the whole thing down. You use whatever technique you see fit. You're the experts. I've got three invites to their little party and their location. You coming with us? I'm not, no. I've got other things to do. Hmm. Um, so who, who's the third? Well, his name is Michael Crawford. He's a nut job. <sighs> Fuck! Major, Major General, um, you can't, we, we can't work with him. I've... I, I, I've dealt with him before. Uh, he's a, he's a risk. I know. Something I should know. I'll, I'll brief you later. Um, he we he's locked up. He is. Okay. He he probably should stay locked up. I agree. What did he do? Oh, well, I'm I'm getting a mixed signal here, sir. Um, Normally, I'd let the bastard rot. Uh, however, chances are that things over there are gonna get quite hot. He might just be the wild card you need if you keep him on a tight leash. He can die there for all I care. 
But you can tell him he's free if he helps us out. And David just nods. Oh, fuck. You break him out of there and you use him as your battering ram. He's uh, holed up in a facility in, in Boston, in the Dorchester neighborhood. Dorchester House, it's called. The uh, director of the f- facility, he's a friendly. If he's a friendly, uh, we could arrange for his release in kind of a uh, paperwork, right? We'd just get the paperwork. Um. Well, I, 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 I did not prepare any of, of that sort of things. I'm, I'm staying very much low profile these days. You can talk to him if you, if you think he'll let Crawford go, or you can just break him out of there. Uh, uh, um, I got it. I got it, sir. All right, we'll see what we can, we'll see what we can come up with. Well, now this sounds interesting. It's not. Oh, come on. It should be fun. Oh, uh, which part? Well, the whole thing. Um, sir, um, he says something about invites? Yes. What does that mean, sir? Well, you're going to an auction. We are. Yes. It's taking place over the course of multiple days. It's an auction. It's a party. It's fucking idiots wasting their money at the same time. It's, it's three in one. You'll love it. Um, if you say so, sir. Uh, where? In Scotland. Uh, Torsa Island. It's a private island. It was recently bought by a, a, a doctor, from what we found. Her name is Dr. Emma Varney. She's part of that cabal that, that I'm talking about. Right. Okay. Torsa Island. Uh, what's, what's the, how much time we have? How many days we have to prep this? You have about six days. Okay. More than enough. Plenty of time. You've got a plane and you've got a, a pilot at your disposal. Use your contacts. You can take the time you need to prepare. Um, what kind of assets do we have otherwise? Uh, any kind of funding? Mm. Don't worry about the funding. Just buy what you need and I'll, I'll have people down in the chain take care of it. David, you got that? Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could give you more intel, but that's all I have. Even... Finding out about this took me a lot of work. All right, sir. Um, right. Obtain this item. And then at that point, it's uh, our discretion on what we do with the item, sir. It is. The, the important aspect is not to bring it back or, or, or to read what's in there. It's just to get it out of their hands. Yes. <sighs> okay, we can do that. And then David looks at Jan. We can do that, right? Um, certainly, sir. Of, of, of course. All right. You can mingle your way in there. You can infiltrate. You can blow it to pieces. Quite frankly, I don't care. I just want it gone. Right, right. Um, any uh, any intel you got on the other attendees of this uh, soiree? Well, multiple CEOs of a bunch of technological companies, and, you know... Pharmaceutical companies, uh, health-related things. I quite frankly, I looked quickly. You're going to be mingling with the top one percent, I imagine. Some really rich people in there. That makes sense. That's, this is not Crawford's environment, sir. He's not well suited for this sort of a setting. Good. David raises an eyebrow. You're going to be. I'm sure you're going to be offered all sorts of sweet deals in there. Right. Right. Of course, sir. Well, anything else we need to know? Nothing except good luck and give him hell. Uh, that that I can do, sir. So we'll uh, get a hold of Crawford. We'll uh, get a hold of anything we might need. Um, c- 
Corbin, right? Corbin, yep. Corbin. Oh. Call me David. Uh, it's been it's been a what? Iran? Is that last time I we we worked together? <laughs> Probably. I, um yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the um uh Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can tell, like, he's he's trying to remember. He, he recognizes you now that you've said something, but he's not quite sure how to put words to it. Cor- Corbin, um, well, actually, let's, it's, I don't want to waste the general's time, I guess. I'm assuming we'll have a conference after he, he departs. Is he, what's up with the general? Does he stick around? <laughs> Does he- he's just there. He's just listening. <laughs> uh, you see him kind of, like, put his fingers at, at like, the, the bridge of his nose. He looks tired. All right. I guess I, I don't want to be rude to, to the general, um, but I guess we got work to do. So I'll step aside over here with Corbin and I'll offer him, raise a glass to him. Sure. So, uh, so um, I'm sure you can get the funds. Whatever we need, you can get it, right? Oh, yeah. Anything we need, I can get a hold of it. And this is a, this party thing, this, this, is, this is your thing, right? Well, sure. I mean, inside, if you want to do the schmoozing route, we could absolutely try that. But, uh... He mentioned infiltration. Sounds kind of fun. Uh, it sounds like a hell of a risk. <laughs> I got no idea. We have no idea what the security is like and what the situation is. That's a risk I don't want to take unless unless I absolutely have to do it. If there's an open door, I say we walk on inside. We, we've got several days. Right. So why don't we get a hold of this Crawford fella, get the things we might need, and get over there by tomorrow. All right, uh, just, just to interject, a uh, couple things. Uh, I want to set Crawford to the side for a second, right? Because I'll tell you about Crawford. Okay. Uh, I do think that we should begin planning before the Crawford situation, because uh, he's a secondary problem, David. He's a whole other problem. D- David puts his hand on your shoulder and looks you in the eyes, and he says, Listen, I'm going to need you to tell me what the deal is with this guy before we go any further. All right. Um, he's some culty i don't know how the, what the word is uh, i don't know what the terminology is okay um we had a different op uh, myself and two a couple other guys um and he um he handled the op for us without us asking him to do it he was a a surprise he took care of the vector for us um in a way that we had not anticipated what way one guy on the op uh, leader of the op um jameson was going to thank Crawford with a bullet to the back of the head, um, and he was unsuccessful in doing so. So um, I don't understand what happened. Um, all I know is Jameson is uh, a very trained shooter. Hmm. Uh, this, this guy, his gun does isn't supposed to jam. It doesn't jam. It's never jammed. That's not his thing. Jameson was unable to deal with Crawford, and um, so the other guy on the team, uh, FBI guy Carpenter, made the call. We detain him. We detain him. Um, put him, you know, and we lock him away as a friendly. Carpenter went along willingly, and I don't know why. Uh, he didn't fight us. He didn't struggle. He didn't protest. As far as I know, he's been safely locked away for a couple of years you mean now. Crawford. Crawford. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, it wasn't my call. Well, he doesn't sound too bad. I'm, I mean, I guess I wasn't there. I don't know what you he's, he's, saw. He's some but... mid Midwest cultist. Um, Firestarter or something. Firestarter? Yeah, some fire fire cult, I think. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's approach it this way. Let's assume we have everything under control. That he's 
does what we need him to do. He does what we want him to do and nothing else. Let's plan for that. I, I don't know how to motivate this guy, sir. I, I, I don't know what it is that he wants to do or what we can give him that will make him cooperate with us. Well, why don't we ask him? I mean, that's your specialty. I mean, you, you're the people guy. I'm just saying, and if, and if we can't get him to cooperate, I don't think I can put him down, sir. Well, it sounds like um, if he isn't going to cooperate, he can stay put where he is. Maybe he likes it there. Well, I guess we have to find out. <sighs> All right. Um, listen, I, you got me the guys know how to make people sing, and you know what make people tick, and you know how to... Uh, I'm going to leave that to you, David. Why don't you and me um, skedaddle and find a place to talk about the rest of the details? All right. Um, have a, get us a place in Boston, maybe like a nice hotel suite, and we can work out for it from there. Sounds good. All right, we got the private airplane outside. I'll, I'll steal my bags. Oh, is that ours? Apparently. All right. <sighs> and presumably we, like, drive our cars and start... No, wait, uh, we're, like, several miles away from our cars, right? Yeah. Our cars have been left on the side of the road. They're on the side of the okay, road. perfect. <laughs> They're there. Awesome. Uh, I'll grab, grab my bag and... Let's see if they yeah. get towed, but all right. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, it's not even on the road. It's on, a, like, a dirt trail. You should be okay. Like, at the edge of the woods. It's fine. Yeah, you, you store your bags in, in the Cessna. You see it's it's well-maintained. It's not, it's not huge. It's not a private jet by any stretch of the imagination, but it will very much do. You, you see the pilot with his winter gear just kind of turns around and says and asks where to. Yeah, so I'll, I'll name whatever the private airstrip is in Boston. Yep. Yeah, take us there. He nods, and as soon as you're ready, you, you take off. And uh, I imagine the flight is, is very short. I don't know how long, maybe 15 minutes, 15, 20, probably not much longer than that. And um, you hear, sometimes you hear the radio kind of prop up and he kind of uh, replies in his, in his, uh, in his headphones. Yep, he, he uh, navigates uh, all the way to a, a, the airway to, to Boston, lands there, no more compli- no other complication, uh, and, and uh, you're free to go wherever you wish. Cool. Yeah, let's uh, find ourselves a hotel room uh, not too far from Dorchester. I mean, let's taxi to a good hotel. Sure. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hey, company dime, right? David. David will never say no to a good hotel. Yeah. No Holiday Inn or something like it, like a good hotel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you you uh, have access to rooms. There's a pool if you want. Uh, there's a, a small gym. Like there's, you can stay there a couple of days. Prepare. You'll be very comfortable here. I imagine you you book separate rooms. Sure. Sure. That sounds fine. Yeah. We're only gonna be here for a couple of days. All right. Good. All right. So uh, shall we conference, David? Yeah. We can get together and we can go over the plan and. Uh, All right. So I guess w- what it sounds like we can maybe do this out of character. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds like. We need to scout. We need to do some recon, figure out what we're dealing with. What is the area? What does it look like? Um, how do we get on the island? What sort of tools we might need? And, and make some plans, right? Uh, you know, a plan of yeah. going in the, you know, talking our way in route um, or um, sneaking our way in or shooting our way in, right? At the end of the day, the, the only objective is we need to get that book away from the people there. All right. 
So let's let's, let's focus on the target. The target is the book. Um, my, yeah. I would presume, I think I said, and we'll do some recon at some point. I presume security on the book is going to be extremely high, yeah. and it will remain so throughout the entire auction. Uh, so there's going to be a standard amount of security, probably over overdone amount of security, and I can and we could scout that. I can assess that, but from a tactical position, it, it's 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 really really dumb for me, a two man team or even a three man team, to assault what okay. whatever it is, unless we determine that there's a weakness in security. If we define a weakness, we can exploit it. But assuming there is no weakness or that the risk is just way too high, in my assessment, we we typically do these sorts of things during the. During the transit or the transfer, there's a window of opportunity after the book has changed hands. Like for instance, let's say the the um, a Bob is the winner of the auction, right? Bob's got to get that book off the island. Right. I feel like that's when it's more vulnerable. Uh, now that Bob's got the book, I'm assuming Bob's security is going to be a lot lighter than what's on the island, and Bob's got to travel. Mm-hmm. And we can figure out where Bob's going from point A to point B. We ambush Bob. Somewhere between those two locations, and we obtain book with a lighter security, and hopefully, in you know, maybe at sea, maybe in air. I'm, I hope not in air. I have never done that before, but I've I've done plenty of ambushes. We grab people on the move all the time. People that we need to get, we don't we don't get them in their safe houses unless we've got overwhelming numbers. We tend to get these guys when they're going to somewhere or when they don't suspect it. That's when we make our move, and so um, so here's my thinking. Um, we don't know who's going to win the auction, right? Unless we can't control that aspect. I think well, we he- hear me out. Yeah. What if we win the auction? Then we got the biggest bullseye on our head of anyone on this planet. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I, I'm assuming every other loser in the room is going to want what we got. Well, so I, I like your plan as a fallback. Okay. I, I think I think our main goal should should be to try to get it before it leaves the island. Okay, I got you. That makes sense. We can we can get contingencies. So plan A right. is find a weakness in security, exploit weakness. Yeah. All right, good. Plan B, you think legitimately win the auction? Sure, why not? I don't know if we got billions of dollars for that, but I'm, all right, if that's an option, I'll take it. I'm sure we can figure it out. Because if we win that auction, um, maybe I can burn this book. I don't know. <laughs> well, well don't, don't be so hasty. I, I feel like if I had that book of my person... I'm not making it off that island alive, and I and I know what I'm doing. Okay, what do you mean? Uh, like I said, uh, whoever loses this auction is not going to be a happy loser. Sure, sure, I, I I understand. So I I I feel like my our best option is to ambush said winner, yep. or even use the other losers to our advantage if we can somehow yep. use them to ambush the loser and then ambush them. That works too. We can ally with some of these people and then stab them in the back. That's been done before. We've used that many times uh, with the, the company. Well, we, we need to identify as part of our recon who are the other players. Absolutely. Who's going to be bidding and who else is there? Mm-hmm. Well, who do they represent? Yeah, and there may be a little bit of enemy of my enemy situation that we can exploit. Yep. I'm sure that's your expertise, right? You can see like gears turning in his head. Like he's... He, He's thinking about some thoughts. So yeah, we we definitely have to uh, assess and uh, recon on site. Uh, what best we can do is get some general layout of the island. I'd like to know all the transportation options, both in and out. Yeah. And we may want to have some items delivered, like weapons and, and materials, separate from our, us. I don't know what the security is going to be like, but I don't think they're going to enjoy us bringing a lot of hardware. Well, how big is this island? I don't know yet, sir. 
and I, I imagine like at this point we've got like a map out and we're like looking yep. at yeah, it's at Scotland and stuff. You would find, yeah, you 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 got a, a map of Scotland. You see that it is very small. Uh, it's part of of a belt of other smaller islands. Okay. Calling it an island is, I mean, technically the whole collection of them is an island, yes, but it's it's linked with very small passages. Yep. Okay. Two other smaller islands. So there's it's it's deceptively large. Is is how I'd call it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It's a maze. <laughs> but there's a lot of choke points here that we might be able to exploit. So it sounded like Fairfield was under the impression that things might get loud. I think that's why he wants us to bring Crawford. Um, Am I reading that correctly? Maybe. I, fr- Frankly, I, I don't know Crawford's full um, skill set. You've seen him? Yeah. Um, I've seen him put down somebody who was a, a serious... Um, What's the word you guys use? Cultist? Uh, no, a different kind of cultist. Though. This guy's Crawford's a cultist, right? He we worship some some okay. f- some crazy fucked up shit. I don't know what it is, but the other guy, you know, the other guy was more like a like a a wizard, I guess. Like an emissary? No, no. The, one of those one of those guys who d- does the uh, the unnatural shit. Sure. Yep, I understand. He was he was our target. We were going to take him out quietly and from long range. That was the plan. The approach this guy was was our funeral, right? Uh, I was going to just take take the shot, set up the shot, take the shot, you know, finish him, you know, from a half two football fields away. But Crawford got him first. He pissed off Crawford and his people, and we were the beneficiaries. I understand. Crawford turned him to like like to dust. You saw him burn from inside. I never, never, I never seen anything like that before. You saw fire so blue, so hot that it was leaking out of out of his eyes, out of his out of his out of his mouth, his ears. Uh, yeah, we stay on his good side. Well, of course. Let's let's meet the guy. Let's try to figure out what his situation is, what his mental state is at this point, and get him out. If we need to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess he's a weapon. That's what it sounds like. I'm not 100% sure why he'd be going on this mission, but... Well, I'm always up for an adventure. Maybe he's the one that we need. He Maybe he's the one that can can burn this thing for us. Sure. Maybe. Okay. So do you make your way? It's, it's very close by. Hell, you can even go by foot. It's maybe a 10 minutes walk. Do you go to to Dorchester House? Well, bef- before that, um, I think we should make a list, and we don't. I don't think we need to actually make this list, but yeah. stuff that we might need: items, you know, cash, you know, foreign currencies, whatever kind of stuff we might need. Um, make that list, and David will get in touch with some of his contacts in the area and start the process of getting it delivered to us. Because mm-hmm. that might take a few days, but I think yeah, we should get that figured out first and then yeah after that we should head on over to dorchester what's your uh, criminology david 70 70 yeah you know if everything remains very very civil very above board you don't need other identities or other passports that's all good <laughs> he's gonna have one anyway in the off off chance that that things become a little bit more complicated yeah having even if it's not the best prepared fake identity 
you're good. Uh, Jan probably needs one. Yeah. Right. Jan will need one. Yeah. D- David has um, like established um, fake identities and has like yeah. legitimate like diplomatic passports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I usually get those from my employer. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need two, David. I need two. All right. Um, in case I got, in case I got to burn one of them, I need, I need two, two cover identities. We probably should figure out something for Crawford too. Ah, uh, shit. Yeah. Why don't, why don't we go meet him and then we can figure all this out afterwards with the IDs. I think we're going to need some cover to meet him. Uh, can we get some badges? Can you get some kind of law enforcement cover before we go into that, um, that hospital? Can I? Uh, well, you can, you can use your, um, roll me a bureaucracy roll. Okay. In my mind, I'll kind of combine it to your special having contacts uh, training. Okay. Sure. I mean, they're both 70. 70 exactly. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) You being part of the company and everything, it is your job. It's it's foreign defense. You you have, as you you said it yourself, you have have relationships with diplomatic relationships and diplomatic contacts in all sorts of countries. Um, You have a couple of good contacts in MI5 and MI6. You think that perhaps... If something shady or if, if something's moving a lot of money or or if, if some eyes in the U.S. being Fairfield and, and other people are, are looking at this, you can bet that MI5 knows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, you have a couple of good MI5 contacts that, that know. So a couple of them have, has, have shown kind of a flair of knowing that things are sometimes a bit stranger than they appear. Yeah, they're on the level. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, I could uh, get in touch with them and stuff mm-hmm. um, when we when we're on the way. Yep, he can probably back you for the law enforcement aspect uh, mm-hmm. on and and having an easier access through airports and and uh, making your way there. Can we get some Boston State badges though? Well, um, Corbin will pull out two FBI badges, oh. like with the with the brass and everything, and the leather leather cases and. All that stuff. I don't think they have IDs on them, but um, if Alan Wake 2 is to be believed, they don't necessarily have to. Yep. Um, <laughs> so well, This is my first time playing an FBI character. <laughs> <laughs> this should get us in. Yeah. Perfect. Here's what I'm thinking. If, if we wanted to talk to him about an ongoing investigation, they'll give us access. After that, we got to kind of, yep. you got to do your magic, David. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Let's let's go let's go rent a, a you know a, a bureau car. Sure. The, the generic Chevy. Let's go rent one of them generic yep. Chevys. Generic Chevy. You go at their headquarters in Boston. You go to the calendar. You flash the badge, and lo and behold, it works. Um, it always does. Yeah, <laughs> sure. They give you the Chevy. They give you the keys, and kind of tell you. They kind of ask you like for you know how long you think you're gonna. In this case, you can bullshit whatever you want. The guy there says, okay. Uh, and yeah, you've got an FBI car. Congratulations. Nice. All right. Um, hey, I'll, I'll drive, David. All right. Sounds good. All right, I'm, I'm taking us to the Dorchester house. Let's do this. Yep. Okay. You, you drive there and you see it's a, it's a quite beautiful kind of brownstone building. It doesn't have several wings, per se, uh, but it's kind of made like a T. 
and it, it seems to have multiple floors, probably two or three, something like that. Lots of windows. And you see in the upper floors, uh, Jan Hao, what's your alertness? Alertness is 80. Okay, yeah. You see several of the windows in the upper floor, uh, the last one, are barred. Mm -hmm. So it seems like the, the uppermost floor is, uh, well, the security's tighter there. And you see there's there's a small, at the entrance, there's just a small, like, post with what seems to be a security guard uh, that's there. Yeah. So, I mean, Yano roll his driver's side window down, grab the FBI badge, and, and hold it up towards the driver, towards the, towards the security guard. Yep. See, it's a, it's a young guy, probably their first security job. Kind of says, oh, okay, uh, FBI, you can park on the way here. There's a, enough space in the parking. Yeah, over there. All right, got it. Thanks. Before before we jumped in here, this is 1994, right? Yes. Yeah. So Corbin would try to, uh, bef before we left, maybe after we got the car or something, do a little bit of research to understand, like, what is this place? Mm -hmm. Who runs it? You know, get some names. Yep. Um, stuff like that so that he would know ahead of time, like, oh, we're here to see X. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can research, um, you can look through news newspaper, maybe that there's some info about them talking through contacts, possibly have a healthcare contact somewhere in the United States, a doctor, a psychologist. I'm not going to make you roll because this is this isn't hidden information, quite easy to find. Sure. Um, okay. Dorchester House is a it, it's a, a mental facility. They seek to to well help help their patients until eventually they can leave the facility and go back to to their uh, their lives. You see that they accept patients from all, all kind of all walks of life, all ranges, and that it is headed by a Dr. Dallin, who's an expert, and although quite young, uh, he's an expert in his field, and uh, uh, that uh, there, there's several nurses uh, that, that they've been working here since the uh, Dorchester House has opened, and that you see that before being a, 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 mental, a mental facility, what is, it was a school, um, and so it, it has a long history of, of helping people. You do see that it does uh, on the upper floor, this is maybe information that's a bit harder to find. Uh, they do accept patients who uh, have a, a history of violence, mm, okay. who can be a danger to themselves or others. But they're they're well taken care of, uh, and they're they're safe. Sure. Didn't the general say something about a friendly at this facility? Indeed, he said that the the director of the facility was a friendly. There we go. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, so. We drive on up then and, yep. and park and uh, head inside and see if we can talk to Dallin. Oh, first reception. Yep. Reception, uh, a blonde kind of uh, young woman. You see that she's kind of talking on the phone, taking notes, uh, hangs up the phone, kind of looks at you both and say, hello, how can I help you today? Hey, uh, it's good to good to meet you. We're um, with the uh, FBI. And he kind of says oh. a little, little quietly. Yeah. And he holds out the badge and uh, it says, uh, we're here to uh, meet with Dr. Um, Dallin. Of course. We're uh, speaking with him about an ongoing investigation. I'll, I'll call him right away. I'll, I'm going to send you to his office. Okay. Thank you. See, thousand the number calls and says, uh, hello, Mr. Uh, hello, Dr. Dallin. Two agents of the FBI are here to meet you. Uh, you don't, you don't understand, you don't hear the answer hangs up and says she kind of points to actually no she kind of stands up and says come with me yeah follow 
leads you through like a offices what seems to be an administrative wing in one side you see like on the other side there seems to be like common rooms where there's there's patients kind of wearing nightgowns and and some watching tv some kind of playing games uh they seem pretty lively talking with each other and you see that there there's no security door to, to stop them nor nothing so it seems like they're fairly kind of left free mm-hmm leads you to the uh, administrative wing and uh, leads you to a, a nice office that's open with a beautiful uh, view leading to a river a nice uh, uh, mahogany wooden desk there's on some kind of in in some kind of office or or display a collection of rocks uh, that are kind of lit with, with a couple of lights mm-hmm. uh, and a, a well-furnished library which um, although it's not full it's still got some room to grow. Uh, you see latest versions of uh, the DSM, uh, work on psychology, psychotherapy, yep. and health in general, quite frankly. Yeah, that makes sense. And you see, standing up, a, a man who seems to be in his in his mid-30s, um, early 30s, mid-30s, tall, very tall, a bit slim, uh, sporting uh, glasses, no facial hair, kind of brown uh, uh, brown hair kind of approaches seems a bit menacing and intimidating but then he smiles and he looks like a large teddy bear <laughs> and and he he goes goes ahead and offers his hand to whoever's first yeah I'll shake his hand sure I'll offer I'll offer my hand second shake David's hand and then yawn shakes your hand <clears throat> well gentlemen I wasn't expecting a visit by the bureau today uh, what can I do for you uh, are we alone in the room with him, or yes. is the receptionist still here? Okay. Yep, you see that the receptionist is here, kind of goes back. Uh, Dr. Dallin closes the door, just 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 for you to sit down. Right, I'll take a seat and say, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, he would. I think he would go by uh, a fake name, whatever's on the FBI badge. Mm-hmm. And so he would introduce himself as, um, uh, Dr. Dallin, it's, it's wonderful to finally meet you. I've heard a lot about you. My name is, uh... Jake. No. Um, <laughs> Windsor is his last name. I'm trying to think of a good first name. Well, yeah, sure. We'll go with Jacob. He, he would be more of a Jacob. Okay. But say, um, my name is Jacob Windsor. Uh, um, obviously, as you know, with the FBI, we're special agents. Um, we are here to discuss one of your patients uh, in the context of an ongoing investigation. I see. Uh, Mr. Michael Crawford. Are you familiar with him? Yes, I am. Uh, of course, I'm familiar with all of my patients. He's on the third floor. What What can you tell me about his current situation, his current state? Has he been improving? Well, to be honest with you, no, not really. Very little improvement so far. Okay. Mr. Crawford is very reserved. He's very ponderous and internal, not expressive. He's very difficult to read, Hmm. lacking drive. Uh, We're being patient with him, of course, giving him every opportunity to get comfortable and open up to us, but so far he seems content. Well, what are his hopes, his aspirations? What does he want to get out of being here? Uh, Well, I'm sure he'd like to be out of the Dorchester at some point. Uh, or, or at least move down to the lower floors where he can enjoy a bit more freedom. On a couple of occasions, he's spoken fondly of his time with his former group, his cult, 
though of course he doesn't use that word nor does he ever say what they've worshipped though he does imply it was some sort of deity sure I understand Uh, a deity who granted them boons and ensured them good harvests Uh, a deity who granted them and this is why he's on the third floor it granted them the strength to kill their enemies Mm -hmm. and protect their way of life I see okay would it be possible for us to meet with him well make a persuade roll sure my persuade is 80 71 Kind of, he hesitates a bit and says normally patients on the third floor are not permitted visitors but seeing as this involves an important ongoing investigation fine okay well thank you I appreciate it it'd be a huge help do you want me to come with you uh, yeah, I just, I just kind of look at, I look at you with kind of this kind of unsure look, like I'm yeah. not sure. That's a good idea. Yeah, that shouldn't be necessary. I think we can handle ourselves. Very well. So on the third floor, if anything gets out of hand, we have security ready, as well as uh, safe rooms that only staff have access to. If there's any kind of an emergency, please retreat to one of those safe rooms. Okay. Just inform the staff. They're very well trained. They can handle it. Sure thing. That makes sense. Oh, and also, uh, these are new. He kind of says almost giddy, kind of searches <laughs> in, in, his, in his desk uh, and pulls out uh, two key cards. Mm-hmm. Kind of hands them to you. Third floor can only be accessed with these key cards, so don't lose them. Okay. All right. Will do. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah, thank you very much. And please, if there's ever anything else I can do, Uh, Of course. Uh, Oh, and if it's all right, it would be very helpful uh, for me to know what you learn about Mr. Crawford. Uh, I know it's confidential and I'm not going to press, but anything else about him would assist me in his treatment. I appreciate it. And we appreciate your uh, discretion as well. Uh, Yes, of course. Of course. And I think uh, on on the note of discretion, I think we're, we're probably both dressed a little more... Um, plain clothes right right not not wearing suits not wearing you know like <laughs> the kind of stuff you might expect a fed to be wearing we're, we're just in what we would be wearing we're casual yeah right yeah okay do we take an elevator is that what we do to get no uh you see it's only stairs okay first floor going up eventually towards the second floor that you do need key cards to uh, to access Hear a little beep door unlocks and then going to the third floor again. And third floor, you do see like the the. There's more doors. First of all, you see more nurses. You see these kind of like glass spaces, or not glass, but some kind of uh, transparent material with a chair and a computer, uh, very blocky, and a telephone uh, that you can go to if ever there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dallin, Dallin would have, would have told you which which cell. Uh, sorry, which room. Is there a place I can talk to David privately real fast before we go in that room? Probably in the stairwell. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand on David's shoulder for a second in the stairwell. Yeah, I'll turn and face you. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't know what Crawford thinks of me. Do you want to come with? Listen, he's going to see me regardless. I, how about this? Um, let me be the one to say hi, and if something happens to me, at least we know that's the situation, right? I don't want it to be a surprise. I don't want him to have to go through you to get to me, right? Hmm. Let's just let's just pop that boil right from the get go, and if it's cool, I'll let you you take over. Okay, I'll I'll uh, follow you on that. All right, yeah, all right. 
I'm not looking forward to this. Going up the stairwell and you walk down the hall and the third floor and you do see, you do see where this indeed kind of looks like a school hallway. Lots of wood. There's no, there's no stone, uh, a, bit, a bit of brick everywhere in, in classic Boston style. So you, you make your way there and yeah, you have just the door to a room. There's a little window. Let's peer in and tell us what we see mm-hmm. in that room. Mm-hmm. So you see the back of a man. There's cots or whatever, and then like a little desk area, and he's hunched over the desk doing something. Pretty large guy, about the size of a door frame, 6'2 or so, broad shoulders, really bright red hair. Tom is like brighter than you remember. Like it's mm. intensely bright. The room is pretty dark. Like the the lights aren't on or anything. And you do see inside the room. There's no. There is like a desk, but there's no drawer. There's no. All the edges are well. There's no edges essentially. There's no. There's no belts. There's no pen. No pencil. Nothing that they can harm himself with or harm other people. What's he doing at the desk? Apparently he's drawing or writing. Um, I'll keycard this door. Sure. Then open it up. Yeah. We head inside and close it behind us? Is yeah. that how that works? Step in. Okay. <laughs> um, when the door opens, I would stand up and just turn around real slowly. I'm not used to it going well, right? Hey, Crawford. Yeah? Um, how you doing? I don't think he would recognize you necessarily at this point. I guess that's good. <laughs> like, I don't think... Yeah, just showing up at the... It wouldn't click who you were. Are there any other places to sit in here? The bed. Yeah, on the bed, but you'd be getting really close to me at that point. Yeah. Okay, no worries. And, like, I'm, I'm big, right? Like, I'm filling up most of the space. Yeah. David will, will, will turn and uh, look at Jan. Just kind of assess the situation. Jan just stands by the door. He stands by the door, keeps his distance, and he, yeah, he's, he's on high alert, is what Jan is. Let's say, can I help you? He kind of appears for a second. Gentleman with something? Actually, uh, yes, we were hoping that you could. Uh, we understand that you may be of, of great use to uh, something that we're trying to do. You might be an, an excellent asset. And we understand that you might not want to be in here forever. Do you have any interest in enjoying your freedom once again? And being not in this room? Yes. Okay. Well, let me introduce myself. My name's David Corbin. I work with this man here. I'll let him introduce himself. And we need your help. Decker. Decker. Yeah, yeah. Ah, like the... Mm. You were with him when I got brought here. I was. Okay. We, we, brought, we brought you brought you in alive, Crawford. Yep. That's how, that's how you wanted it, right? I mean, it's the way it is. And we'd like to keep it that way. That's good. And now we'd like to bring you out, if you're amenable. You have somebody you want me to kill? Not necessarily. 
probably. Not necessarily. <laughs> David will look at Jan. Jan, like, just, Jan just nods. He just nods slowly. <laughs> it, it's more fun if I get to kill someone. They enjoy it when I do. Well, think about it this way. There is a target. There is um, something that needs to be eliminated. We feel that you might be a good addition to our team uh, as an equal to approach the situation to secure the target and eliminate it. The problem is it's not here in Dorchester House. It's not in Boston. It's not in America. It's across the pond on an island near Scotland. Okay. So we need to bring you with us uh, over there. Getting you out of here might be a little challenging, but I think that we can swing it. But you have to assure us if you come with, you'll help us remain calm, do the things that we ask, and by the end of it, once the job is done, you're free. Do we have an agreement? Kind of like step aside and uh, show you what's on the desk. What's on the desk? Oh, no. There's uh, a pretty rough but passable model of the Dorchester house. And then there's three little rat skulls lined up on top of it. And in progress in front of it, it was a, la- a rat being but with dissected is what it looks like to you. David keeps a, a pretty straight face. Yep. And after a moment of pause, he, he says, do we have a deal? Okay. I'm free when we're done. You're just going to let me walk away. That's what we were told. That's what the man's offering. Those are our orders. It's his call. Hmm. I'm going to need a Zippo. <laughs> we could probably arrange that. All right. And you can get us out of here. I don't. You don't need assistance with that? Uh, I, I think we should be okay. I've, I've got a plan, and if it doesn't work, I've got another plan. We'll take care of it. I'll look kind of sadly at the model and just take one of the sticks out of the corner and just let it all kind of crumble. <laughs> it falls away like a house of cards. And I'm definitely a little sad. Hmm. Took a lot of time. Yep. But here, that's really all you had. And then he's just like, okay, let's go. You have anything here that you need to bring with you? No. I, I don't think it does. We can get you clothes, food, anything else. I'd be careful with that anything else, but I'm sure you can take care of it. 